Welcome to The Intuitive Therapist with Janice R. Cohen, therapist, clairvoyant, empath, and medium. Listen in as she takes a no-nonsense, deep dive into real human struggles and how to resolve them. Janice will share channeled information from her spirit guide team, as well as angels and archangels, to help you master your emotional, physical, financial, and spiritual destiny. And now, Janice R. Cohen. Hey, y'all. This is Janice Cohen, the intuitive therapist here on the Intuitive Therapist Podcast. So glad you're with me again. Um, I'm going to talk about something that I see a lot that happens in my uh, in my practice. Um, and of course, all these things that I talk about, I'm pretty sure pretty typically I've experienced them too. So I just want you to know I don't come from a place that uh, my clients are the only ones that experience these things. And, and I don't, I have been, uh, in this, uh, whirlwind, which is what I'm about to talk to you about the crazy eight, uh, and how to stop the emotional roller coaster that we get on. Uh, when we bounce back between two emotions. I'm going to talk to you about what that is, but in, in your mind, as I'm talking to you, I want you to see, um, uh, one of those infinity symbols, Okay, you know, it looks like an eight, but that an eight that lays on its side. And so I'm going to talk about this concept called the crazy eight. And it really is how to get unstuck from the the two primary emotions that we feel that we go through, right? And I call it the emotional roller coaster. Sometimes uh, it, it and I'm going to talk to you about the specifics in a minute, but our emotions really are the driving force that determines the quality of our lives. Everybody is capable of experience a whole range of human emotions, but many people allow themselves to only experience a narrow range. Have you ever thought about that? All these feelings that we could feel, but yet we box ourselves in with just a few of these emotions. So one person may go from feeling sad to angry and then to sad again, while another may go from feeling love to joy and someone else may regularly experience fear, anxiety, and pain. So again, I want you to think about what I'm talking about as, as that, uh, that infinity symbol that's laying on its side. And on one side of the infinity symbol is the thing, one of the things that you feel a lot. Maybe it's anxiety, maybe it's fear, maybe it's sadness. Uh, and then the other is uh, the opposite feeling that you have, maybe it's anger, depression, um, frustration. Uh, and it's, it's characteristic in Western culture to believe that our emotions are outside of our control. It's very funny because, um, once I learned this concept years ago, I used to, I used to feel like I had no control over my emotions at times, but in reality, what I'm about to tell you, you do. So most people believe, for example, that a depressed person is simply depressed, does nothing deliberately to maintain that state of mind, and therefore can't do anything to change it. Now, for those of you who are on medication or believe that uh, depression is a, uh, a biochemical thing, I'm not arguing with that. I mean, look at the business that I'm in. But all I'm saying is that if what you experience situationally, let me clarify, situationally um, is depression, that isn't, it's not a necessarily consistent thing, or if it is consistent, you're really going to have to look at 
what you do to reinforce those feelings of depression. Same thing. If a, if a happy person has a happy disposition, um, don't you think they do things to reinforce that? Like smiling and how they walk and the things, how they talk and all of that. It's the same thing with somebody who is in a depressed, sad space. How do you carry yourself? What do you say? How do you think? What do you focus on? And so the dealio with this is our emotions do not do us. We, they don't, they don't come to us out of the blue, right? We go to them. We do our emotions. And I'm going to talk to you about what that looks like, why I say that. So if you regularly experience anger, sadness, fear, guilt, instead of joy, gratitude, compassion, and excitement, this is because these emotions meet certain needs within you. Fortunately, it's possible to make a conscious choice about your emotions. When people are stuck in their lives, experiencing inner conflict, they, they're usually experiencing two competing emotions and they can't stop going back and forth between the two. And that's why I was talking about picturing the, um, the, the infinity symbol on its side. So one emotion is on one side, the other emotion is on the other. So when we think about these two predominant emotions, I want you to consider them your go-to emotions, okay? These are the, just, I want you to remember these emotions, they, they don't come to us, we go to them, right? We, uh, for, for example, um, we may choose to feel uh, sad, quote-unquote depressed, and then when we get sick and tired of feeling that, we get pissed or we get anxious. And you go back and forth and you get tired of feeling either of those emotions, you go back to the other one. But now, today, what I want to talk to you about is how to break that cycle. So all behaviors, including emotions, consist of three parts working together. Okay? Patterns of physiology and posture, how we use our bodies. Okay? The second is mental focus, where we put our energy. Our, our, what we think about, what we focus on. And third is, well, third is uh, language patterns. So here's what I mean. Patterns of physiology and posture, like I said, how we use our bodies. Patterns of mental focus, beliefs and thoughts. Language patterns, what we say to ourselves. And the, the lightness or the severity of the language that we use. Some people, for example, um, two people may experience the same uh, experience and one may say, uh, God, you know, that was disappointing. And another could say that it's tragic. Words matter, like they carry a lot of weight. So the more severe words you use, uh, the more severe experience you're going to have, right? That you could convince yourself to have. So in order to be depressed, for example, give you an example, a person has to assume a certain posture, right? They have to use their body, right? They look down or they, they cry or uh, they're they're not smiling, they're sad, they're pounding. Uh, they focus on specific things. What, what isn't working, what they've lost, what they lack, what they need that they don't have, the pain that they're in, right? And then they use certain specific language patterns that lead to depression, the words that they use to describe their life, how resourceless they are, how unfortunate they are, how unlucky they are, uh, whatever it is. It's the language, all of these things reinforce a feeling that we predominantly go to. So have you ever wondered about like 
I was talking about this just two seconds ago. When two people experience the exact same traumatic experience and one suffers, here's an example, one suffers from PTSD, anxiety, fear as a result, panic attacks, and the other person leaves without emotional scarring. Like, why? How, how is that possible? Two people could uh, experience the same thing, but have a real, real different, entirely different response to it. So think about it. the person who leaves the situation unscathed is somebody who chooses to perceive the situation in a different way, in a way that he or she can overcome it. And it doesn't mean that they're forever scarred and helpless because of it. It's they, they've chosen to perceive a situation as a moment. They're physically behaving in a way that reinforces recovery and non-trauma. They are focusing on certain things that allow them to move forward. They are speaking to themselves using specific words that reinforce their ability to see the situation in a different way. Thus, redefining the meaning of the experience for them. That's really what a lot of what life is about is how do you define the meaning of a situation so that it doesn't hinder you, so that it propels you forward. Human beings can't stay in one emotional space permanently. I don't care how long you felt sad or anxious or depressed or whatever, happy. Uh, you, there's going to be a point where there's going to be, even if it's for a moment, there's going to be the shift in what you feel, right? So even if somebody has depression or chooses depression, and again, I say this uh, not with any accusation of those people that have been depressed for a long time where medication has helped, not talking about that, uh, but I'm talking about in general, if somebody chooses to, to feel depressed uh, to the degree that you feel depressed, um, here's what I know is that depression is all about the focus on the self. And I don't care if you take medication for that. That's not what I'm talking about. But when we're depressed, we can't help but go within. And uh, when we're totally focused on how bad our lives are, how dire our circumstances are, how aware uh, of all the misfortunes we've experienced and all the things we lack in our lives, then we're going to stay focused on ourselves. And there's no way you can get out of feeling bad. There's no way you're going to progress. So I think about all the people that I work with. I think about my own life, the times where I felt stuck, where I felt a strong emotion like depression. And it was so hard to get out of it. Oh my God, I, there were times I, I could think of something in particular. It's like the only thing to do is ride the wave. And maybe I'm, I'm in the wave for a week or two. And then I get out of it. Maybe I'm in the wave for an hour or a minute. But my goal is to get out of it. To, to pick up the message uh, within it and to ultimately get out of it. When you think about, though, uh, when you've experienced a strong emotion like depression, what I'm curious what has made the difference uh, for you between staying in a negative emotional space and moving on from it. What have you done? What have you changed about uh, your, your focus, your language, your body, that has allowed you to free yourself of whatever heavy emotion you've had. I've talked about suffering and pain, and I'm going to bring this up again. When a person experiences depression, for example, they most often feel that they're suffering versus struggling. Okay, here's the difference. 
when people suffer, uh, they are experiencing three things. True suffering is experiencing three things. One, it's pervasive. It invades all areas of their life. It's permanent. It's never going to go away. And it's personal. Like, I deserve it in some way. Or, you know, why me? Golly, I just can't win for losing. But if somebody's struggling, there might be a situation uh, in their lives where that may feel hard, but they can see a way out. And they want to find a way out. Okay? One is the need to be resourceful. The other is the feeling of being resourceless. And when people believe they suffer and feel helpless, they're, they're not... They're not putting themselves in a position to change the circumstance. And this is where I want to talk to you about the different kind of problems that uh, people develop that either keep them stuck or that allow them to move forward. So we're going to talk about two kinds. One is safe problems, S-A-F-E, and the next are quality problems. So here's the difference. Safe problems hold people back but they are really within your control. And here's why I'm going to tell you why. With safe problems, people have trouble managing their emotional states and their emotions because they don't have the confidence to take a risk or they lack courage to take action in their vision. Okay? So, so they focus on external or internal problems, either something that stopped them, right? Could be uh, your past, right? My parents didn't raise me. They didn't give me these opportunities. Or I just got out of a bad relationship. Uh, I could never do what I wanted to do in the relationship because the person was so controlling. Uh, I don't have enough money, not enough time. Something that was stopping them externally, right? Internally, I don't feel good about myself. Uh, like I said, an internal state that's taking up a lot of energy. Oh my goodness, how am I going to do this? Nobody's here to help me. I've never done this before. There's no way I can do it. All those critical thoughts. An example of a safe problem is keeping problems to meet your primary needs. Like we talked before, I've talked about the six human needs. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, go back to the uh, one of the, the earliest segments that I did. And it was about the six human needs. And the six human needs are uh, from uh, the human psychology, okay? And so the six human needs are certainty, significance, connection and love, variety, uh, and uh, growth and contribution, okay? So somebody could have a fear of rejection or inadequacy and therefore keep themselves struggling and helpless. Does that make sense? That's a safe problem. It's literally something we can do something about. We can change our focus. We can change our physiology. We can find the resources quality problem is different. It differs from a safe problem in that these quality problems encourage our growth and advancement. For example, something feels scary and it's new for you and it requires a lot of self-confidence and momentum. I'll give you an example. I remember it, I put off doing this podcast for several years. I'd wanted to do it, but I just felt nervous to kind of put myself out there. So when I finally got the, you know what, the cojones up to start this thing, I did in the first three or four recordings that I made, um, my throat closed up. I've never experienced that in my life, but my throat closed up. But then I got the hang of it and I was so excited. I was so excited before I even did it because I knew I needed to do it as another way to reach people. Um, and uh, and I was able to kind of get over my fear because I knew 
the excitement of it trumped my fear of it. That's a quality problem. Um, and so, for example, here's another example. Take a new job or promotion in a new city where you don't know anybody. But even though you're scared of messing up or getting lost or knowing no one, you choose to move forward with it. Does that make sense? So I want you to just remember that our emotional patterns bring on suffering or the sense of feeling helpless, right? So go back to that crazy eight where the, the, uh, the um, infinity symbol is on its side, okay? So identify the two feelings that you feel predominantly that keep you feeling stuck. And just know this is the dance that you do until you decide to shift the language you use, your physiology, and what you focus on, okay? Pain threshold goes back and forth. That's why we switch from two go-to emotions until you reach a point where feeling neither of these works anymore for you, where feeling, feeling either of these doesn't bring you certainty, significance, connection, and love and variety, then you have to make a change, all right? That's when you reach the tipping point, the precipice. And to get out of this pattern, something has got to give. And you have to be helped to, be, to get beyond this point of inner conflict. And you know what? You've got to be able to, you know, if, if you can do it, you've got to be able to share your wisdom too with other people, right? And you have to be able to teach people Teach yourself first, but then be able to teach people about how to choose empowering feelings versus disempowering feelings, right? If we wallow in our shit, in our pain, we get nowhere. There's no way, there's no way to have a quality life if we're, we're wallowing. I'll give you an example to use with kids, okay? So it's called the paradoxical intervention that I've used many, many times. I use it on adults too. When, when somebody comes to me and they have a predominant behavior, maybe it's oppositional defiant, maybe it's sadness, maybe uh, it's anxiety. So here's what I do. I say, all right, what time do you wake up in the morning? And they'll say, seven o'clock. So I say to them, all right, here's what I want you to do. I want you to set your alarm for uh, 20 minutes earlier get up 20 minutes earlier, and I want you to find this, a seat that you're going to sit in every time you do this, okay? And then uh, for, for the adults who are feeling, uh, you know, anxious or sad or depressed, I say, okay, I want you to go sit in that seat at 6.40 in the morning, and just, I want you to just be sad. I want you to be as sad as you can be for 20 minutes. But after the 20 minutes, you have to get up, get off your ass and start your day. Because when people quarantine their feelings and they're not allowed to necessarily feel those feelings later on during the day, they aren't going to feed the monster. And I do this with, with kids too. 99.99% um, of people that I give that, the adults that I give that assignment to, A, they look at me like I'm crazy B, they don't even do it in the first place and they realize that uh, they have more control over their emotions than they imagine. There have been people who have actually done it for a day and they can't even last the 20 minutes. When they think about how much effort and energy they give to feeling a certain feeling 
throughout the day and I ask them to consolidate that, that's when it hits them. Same thing with a kid who's having, who needs attention um, and is not getting it, right? So what I encourage family to do is to schedule time that everybody sits down in order to extinguish a behavior, you've got to feed a different kind of behavior. So I encourage people to uh, sit around and if the, if the kid wants to sing, then you have time on uh, Thursday at five o'clock before dinner to sing for 10 minutes. And everybody sits around and we listen and the person sings and we clap and boom, we move on. And this way it doesn't, the child doesn't have to fight for attention. You've planned it. So it will extinguish negative behaviors. Okay. Eliminate themselves because the child is getting their need met for attention. All right. So those are just two examples of what I would do to help somebody kind of get out of the, the state of being stuck in emotions. And I want you to really look at your life, like really look at what are the predominant emotions that you feel, write it down on the paper. And really the bottom line is unless and until you realize you get sick and tired of feeling these two feelings that you go to on a regular basis, they're going to be there. But when you get sick and tired of them, that's when things change. That's when you realize these emotions aren't helping me do anything good with my life. They're taken away. And so you make a shift, you make a, an agreement with yourself. You know what, whenever I start to feel bad, I am not going to let it get bigger and bigger and bigger. I'm going to use my body, go in a different uh, room. I'm going to go for a walk. Uh, I'm going to start talking to myself differently. Janice, you got this instead of, oh God, what's happening? I can't handle this. And, uh, and then you, you're going to focus on what's ahead of you, what you want to accomplish instead of what you lack. So my hope is that this has helped you. If you would like a reading or any particular subject, by all means, reach out to me, 404-558-3971, or email at Janice at JaniceRCohen.com. And as always, I wish you a blessed day, uh, a wonderful week, and as always, live intuitively. Thanks for listening to The Intuitive Therapist with Janice R. Cohen. If you like what you heard, the best compliment you can give us is to share this podcast with a friend and subscribe, rate, and review at iTunes.